In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you may be seated. How many of you, since March, have had an argument that you probably wouldn't have had were it not for the stay-at-home orders and quarantine and the unusual combination of social isolation and dramatically increased togetherness with your family, household, or close friends. If you're like me, a dozen examples spring readily to mind just in the past month. Maybe though some of you have managed to do a little self-improvement though. Maybe some of you have spent the last five and a half months developing contemplative monastic practices, learning a new musical instrument, becoming a master baker, raising chickens, growing vegetables, managing the education of your kids or grandkids, fixing up your house, all while navigating a contentious political season and a deadly pandemic with the aplomb and equanimity of Julianne of Norwich, who famously said, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Well, if that's you this morning, this sermon is probably not for you, so you're exempt. Set a timer for about 10 minutes, go grab a second cup of coffee. While you're at it, sew a new pair of clothes with the help of the mice you've managed to tame to be tailors this time, and we'll see you in a bit. For the rest of us, though, for the rest of us, Jesus this morning hits a little too close to home. Before we go on, I want to offer a few disclaimers, though. Jesus isn't giving a universal, step-by-step set of instructions for conflict resolution. This is not a one-size-fits-all, divine three-step self-help seminar on reconciliation. Some of what he suggests here, if you were to implement it literally, would quite frankly be dangerous for someone in a physically abusive or emotionally manipulative relationship. Instead, I think Jesus here is laying out a general ethic of what values his followers should hold on to in the midst of conflict, hurt feelings, and broken relationships that are otherwise in a healthy environment or community. Basically, Jesus tells us when you're hurt by someone, tell them about it. And by association, when someone tells you they are hurt, listen to them. That's it, really. To hear and to be heard in the midst of hurt. It sounds simple, but in practice, we all know it's complicated and extremely messy at times. Because if you've ever been in one of these conflicts, or perhaps tried to mediate one, one thing quickly becomes clear. Most of the time, whatever the issue seems to be about on the surface is rarely what it's actually about. It's rarely ever about who forgot to take out the trash or who ate the last cookie you've been saving yet left the empty box in the pantry for you to find or who spent too much money on the latest electronic gadget or who called whom a rude name or whether the dog ate the cat's food or who started it and whose fault it is. Most of the time, the real source of conflict isn't the petty thing that sparks it but a fire that's long been smoldering in the soul. It is about something both simpler and more profound and much more difficult to actually talk about. 
It's about whether we feel valued or respected, loved and important, safe and secure where we are. Sometimes it's not even about you and the person you're in conflict with, but another relationship entirely that still causes pain. Which is why for so many of us, I think Jesus' first bit of instruction here is actually so very difficult. Because to tell someone they've wounded you is not only to be vulnerable, but also to show them where you are most vulnerable. To reveal something deeply intimate and closely held to the soul. To, in a way, actually give them power over you. A roadmap of how we can be hurt. And so it is such a profound act of trust to tell someone how they've wronged you. Typically, though, when we're on the receiving end of this, that's not at all the way we think of it. Instead, we might get defensive. Because it's so hard to hear that we've let down someone we're supposed to love. We feel accused, maybe even shamed. But what if instead, what if if instead we saw the trust they had in us? That willingness to open themselves up to further hurt even. In hope of keeping or healing a relationship. That they were giving us this incredibly generous and sacred gift of their deepest selves. Of course, it's more complicated than even that, isn't it? Opening our wounded selves to each other is so deeply personal and often tied to some deep and tender truths about how we understand ourselves that we might be tempted to try to convince the other person about how right you are and how wrong they are. To force an apology of some kind and impose our version of reality onto another person. But that's not the goal, Jesus says here. This isn't a method for figuring out who's right and who's wrong. There's not really even the expectation of a feel-good, hand-holding around the campfire, hug it out with tears in your eyes moment of reconciliation. Instead, over and over again in this passage, Jesus tells us that the whole point is to be listened to. To be heard. That's it. So we're both to avoid conflict avoidance that leaves our hurts until they fester and explode. And we're to avoid that my way or the highway approach that demonizes one party and beatifies the other. Maybe at first glance this seems like a pretty low bar. But not on closer examination. In our take-no-prisoners political season and our win-at-all-cost culture. The idea that in the midst of conflict and disagreement, the goal is not to win, not to conjole, not to convince, not to dominate the other person in some way, but to listen to them might strike us as naive. But in truth, conflict and, and disagreement between two people within a loving community or relationship can actually be a vehicle for deeper intimacy, deeper understanding, deeper relationship. If, if we argue and, and if we disagree to understand each other better, rather than to ridicule, to learn more about the other person and ourselves, rather than to win or protect our own egos. Now, I'd like to tell you I'm really good at this. 
that every argument I've ever had, particularly in the last five and a half months, I have been able to magnanimously put aside my need not just to win, but to not be wrong. I'd also love to tell you that it always works. But I can't. And you know that. Because sometimes the unfortunate truth is is this kind of reconciliation isn't always in the cards. And our gospel text seems to recognize this practical, if difficult, reality about messy human relationships. Sometimes relationships fall beyond repair. Sometimes you've exhausted all your options. Sometimes you can never listen enough. And sometimes you will never be heard. And in those cases, the gospel gives us permission to let go. And to find healing and no longer binding ourselves to something that has become unhealthy and toxic, likely for all involved. It's a last resort, of course. But it also doesn't give us permission, as we'll see next week, to withhold forgiveness, to hate or to demonize or to drag another person through the mud. But sometimes it does work. And when that kind of painful, vulnerable, holy reconciliation happens in the world, it is a miraculous and a wondrous thing to behold. When true vulnerability vulnerability seems to beget more vulnerability for all involved. And soon those in conflict are doing as much listening to the other person as they are talking and sharing their own grievances. And they begin to see the painful reality that all too human people in an all too broken world who make mistakes also carry their own wounds and also need to be heard. Whether it's to own up to wrongdoing or to share their own pain and how a relationship has soured or fractured. Yet even when that happens, Agreement or resolution as we would initially envision and hope for often never comes. Something different happens in that process in the meeting of two souls in conflict. But in situations where where folks feel truly hurt, they can get up from the table still disagreeing, but in better relationship, deeper, more stable, more connected, more secure than they were before. Because they've trusted each other with the deepest parts of themselves. The places where they are hurt and where they can be hurt again. Because to hear another person's pain is to love them. And to be heard is to be loved. And love, scripture tells us, love covers a multitude of sins. Amen.